Thank you so much for tuning in to the Spiro Avenue Show. You could follow us on social media at Spiro Avenue on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. You can also watch our full episodes and clips and highlights on YouTube. And we would appreciate it if you could hit that subscribe button for us. Anyways, thank you so much for tuning in, and I hope you enjoy. Well, I hope it's awesome and fun to hang out with me, Stephen. <laughs> so it's a pleasure to have you, man. Welcome to the Spiro Avenue thank Show. You. It's been a pleasure to chat with you for about 10 or 15 minutes before. I can't wait to give you the tour. I was hoping you would ask at some point to be shown around. I didn't know if that'd be weird. But uh, look, I want to start right with what I think is the biggest news going on right now. You're on the basketball team. The basketball team has a lot of buzz going on right now. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I talked about it a little bit with Malik Hall last week, your your teammate. He was saying that there is a palpable, noticeable, different buzz there this year you guys have both been there several years you've seen different iterations of this team did you get the same sense that Malik did like do you feel this year feels a little bit differently in the offseason coming in just in terms of the expectations and what could be ahead for you guys yeah I think there's a huge buzz going around uh we haven't really had a full team lift where we're all working out and still some of the freshmen haven't got back or got to East Lansing so that will happen next week where we do team lifts and everything so obviously once that happens it's going to be a different feel um but yeah, just like the ranking stuff comes out and you try not to read too much into it just because we haven't played a game yet. So I kind of was thinking about you asking that question earlier and I was like, how would I answer that? Because we haven't played a game, so we don't really know. But towards the end of the season, when we do did our team list with just the guys that were returning, the vibes of like the lifts were way different and the open gyms have been like extremely different. But just the sense of we still haven't played a game or still haven't got there yet. So once we get the other guys, you know, obviously we might see some changes and um, all hopefully for the better. But, yeah, it's been interesting. We've seen both ends of the spectrum. Like 2011 was preseason number two. And obviously I barely made the tournament that year. It was shockingly disappointing. And then we've seen the other spectrum where it's unranked and they're in the final four with a yeah. chance to win the whole thing. So, like, I'm with you on the what do you do with that? Like, it's it's tough to put too much stock into it. But at the end of the day, I'd always rather like where I'm at, like going in than be mm-hmm. thinking, I don't know what this team can do. I mean, do you think that to what extent you can say this, is the hype somewhat justified from what you've seen from these guys coming in, what you've heard about them? I'm sure you've heard a lot about specifically the incoming freshman class, obviously Tyson Walker back. Do you think it's fair that people are at least cautiously optimistic about this group? Yeah, I think obviously, you know, having the hype, we kind of deserve to have the hype uh, around us with the recruiting class that we brought in. But still, we haven't played a game. So um, as the year progresses and the summer progresses, you will kind of get a bigger picture on that. And I try not to read too much into anything. And it's not a shot at North Carolina, but like the same thing. They were one last year and they didn't make the tournament. So kind of I don't really look too much into it. It's like a cool thing to be preseason one and two, and just like my freshman year during COVID, we were number two, but it's not like a, for sure, I'm not like, I don't look too deep into it. It's funny because like your guys' program, the ethos, I mean, really actively sort of massaged by your coach is, okay, when the team is kind of hyped in the public, he's going to kind of try to hold them down and hold down the ego. And when everyone in the public is yelling at him because maybe things aren't going so well, He's trying to pump them up a little bit and you're constantly trying to like tilt the scales, you know, sort of to find some level of equilibrium. So I think that is kind of the common challenge going into a season like this where, you know, the team was already good, retained 
everybody that they thought they might retain and is bringing in a top five recruiting class. So it checks all the boxes like, okay, second weekend team, everyone's back. Great recruiting class coming in. Hall of Fame coach. Like there's a, a reason to be excited, I think is, is fair. As I, this, in terms of your path at Michigan State and, and getting there, and you know, I, I touched on it briefly with you last night when we were talking about you know coming in tonight. I, one of the things I find interesting about what you did and you know chose to do going to Michigan State is it is a little bit different from what a lot of people do. Like I I live an hour and some change away from Michigan State from where I grew up, so it's not like I moved to a different state. But like, I did not want to be near my mom or dad <laughs> when I went to college. Now, luckily, Michigan State wasn't near them. Uh, but, you know, you chose not only to, you know, be near them, but like you're even more under the thumb, arguably, of your dad than you were before. Because right? now you're kind of getting it both sides. T take me through that. Was there ever any like, oh, maybe I'll go to anywhere else? I mean, Central or Tennessee or somewhere else? I kind of entertain the, I, I didn't even apply, but. I looked at Grand Valley, and the whole thing was they came to my high school, and they had cool stickers, and I was like, I really want a sticker. So I just went up to the table, entertained it, got my sticker, and left. <laughs> You're a um, cheap date, man. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, Hope a little bit, but not really. I just – we I like the west side, so I kind of looked at those two, but never really entertained either or – didn't apply to either of them either. So so you were always kind of going green pretty much. Yeah. Yeah. Was there Was there ever a consideration of like – you know, the pros and cons, or was it, you know, because your, your family casts like a big shadow, you know, like there's, I, if I were you, I would stay. I like you did kind of what I would do in your specific situation. You know, it's kind of apples to oranges, but so you, you never felt like tempted at all to, to get out from under, you're like, I'm, I'm riding with Michigan State. No, yeah. I always knew that I want to go to Michigan State. It's been my dream school since the day I was born, but um, yeah, just like the opportunity to go to college and be at a school that I kind of live in the same town. It was just, I couldn't, I couldn't pass it up. Yeah, I don't really care who it is. Like Michigan state's the right choice. Is kind of what I said. Yeah. It's like, I don't know. It's always the right choice. It's never a bad choice to go to Michigan state. And, you know, I, I think the, the great thing for your family is because, you know, we've seen that come up a few times with both your parents and they've been on big Ten network talking about it, about, you know, sort of those gaps that you have as a parent, in particular, your dad's case, where your mom has a sort of outsized uh, role when you're coming up, and now you're kind of catching up on some of those years. I mean, Ben, can you throw up the? Um, I, I, we're going to skip ahead a little bit because I want to. I want to. I want to address this now. The little excerpt, the two uh, quote excerpt. So, Graham Couch wrote a really good article covering you and your situation. I believe it was in January, and uh, this was from his article in the LSJ quote. This is from Tom Izzo, quote, I missed out on 18 years. I spent all my time raising everybody else's kids. My wife raised mine. I think I saw five of Stephen's games his senior year of high school. And go to Stephen, your quote from the same article. This is Stephen Izzo. I say this to my dad. After 5 p.m., no one should call me. It's not a lazy thing. I want to have a family one day, and I want to have the ultimate balance that I might not have gotten as a kid. So... I mean, great article by Graham, by the way, and it was it was an, an enjoyable read. But there is a sense of lament there a little bit, like maybe more on your dad's side than yours, where he wouldn't do it differently necessarily, but he has some real sadness about that. Is that fair to say? Yeah, I would say that's fair. Um, I also thought about the quote when I was on my drive. I was like, 
Cool. All right. So now I'm at the point where I'm graduating. I have like my degrees and stuff. So got to look into jobs. And I was like, oh, that quote, like, I hope it doesn't hurt me in the <laughs> end, but I don't think it will, obviously. But kind of just, yeah, I just want to live like a normal, you know. Well, your point was, you know, it, I mean, you could have not said 5 p.m. You could have said, <laughs> I don't want to call it 2 a.m. Because yeah. that's what <laughs> college coaches get. I mean, yeah. football, basketball doesn't matter. When you're the college coach, you get the 2 a.m. phone yeah. call. So, like, you could have just as easily said that because that, I think, was in specifically the context of, like, would you ever coach her or not was part of the, you know. Yeah. yeah which you, you have said you're not interested yeah. at this point. Growing up, I always want to be, like, a GM, um, but kind of not saying it's not realistic. It's just a lot more, you know. You're probably yeah, not yeah. seeing your family that much. And that's, that would be uh, hard no. for me. Yeah, look at, like, the first 10 years of – most GMs, a couple exceptions, they're all like riding the bus in Piscataway, like scouting different, you yeah. know, depending on what sport it is, obviously, different gyms or whatever. So, yeah, that, that's a tough one to crack. But w- was there something like did the demands on your dad's schedule specifically turn you off? Because that's like the quote kind of vibe was like, man, I love my dad, but like, you know, that's a tough job what he's doing. Oh, yeah, it is for <laughs> sure a tough job. And a lot of people in the public, like, they don't really see it and it's hard to explain. So, it's, it's like a very different thing. Like um, one of my best friends, Jared Rosberg, he played hockey at Michigan State. His dad was my dad's college roommate. Um, and his dad was obviously the head coach for the Broncos for the last two or three games of the season. And he texted my sister and I during the game. He's like, this is what it's like. He's like, this is a whole different thing. Because as the assistant coach, yes, there is a lot of pressure. But like I remember my freshman year of high school, because that's when he moved up, we were – Obviously, he's a senior when I was a freshman in college. Um, He was like, people don't understand that our life is based off wins and losses. And that quote will never leave me to this day because that's what it is. Like, if you don't win, you're going to get fired if that's just how it is. So people kind of I don't think people really dissect that that's how the coaching world is. I don't know, like about you specifically or, you know, the rest of your family. I, I think Tom, his awareness of what's being said is pretty keen. I don't know if he's reading these newspaper articles or blogs himself or they're being brought to him or whatever. But like, if I read something negative about him in a publication, like even if it's just, you know, semi-critical, he'll be in like a press conference saying like, I know you, what you guys are worked up about. I mean, did you see like a, a tangible change in him where I, like, even when you were there as a middle school or high school living in the house, like, was he more tense if there were uh, two losses in a row or something? Like, did does he wear that to where you could feel it? Uh, yeah, definitely. If there was a loss, there was a there was a little change, like not stress, but like yeah, just like a different attitude almost. Um, I remember we he's probably not gonna like this. I remember we lost a game to Iowa. I'm pretty sure it was at Iowa, or I know it was at Iowa. I think it was Iowa though. And he came home, and I was I had a Segway, and I was riding on the Segway, and when he came home, I was like happy because I was a young kid riding on a Segway. Phone, uh, Xbox, and Segway all taken away <laughs> just for having fun. Just because just you're out there it, playing? It didn't last that long. It was like it was like a two-day thing, but I just remember it happened, and I was like, that was crazy. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's, that is rough. We got to deep dive into that But that's stuff. like the one thing. That's like the only time I ever remember like anything really being – I probably did some other stuff or talked back, but – I do remember those things getting taken away for kind of just being a little too joyful after a game or I probably was talking back. Yeah, <laughs> probably, right. <probably. laughs> uh, yeah, like his side of the story. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't know. Like, I think that's kind of human, though. I don't think that's really unique 
to your situation, your family situation. Mm -hmm. Like, who is it? Like, I mean, I'm not even involved with Michigan State Athletics officially directly. And like my kids probably think I'm shorter with them. Like if state has a bad loss or something. So like, I think that's kind of common, but it is interesting like to be so tied to, you know, my wife can tease me and say like, why do you care so much? It's a game. But like in your guys' case, it actually is your livelihood. So yeah. it's like me having a bad day at work. Yeah. That's that, what that, I was just going to hit on. I was going to say, yeah. it's like people having bad days at work. They come home, they might be a little snippy or just be short. Like with, their family so it's, and it's all normal the thing that's fascinating too and this i've hammered this like a thousand times publicly is in your guy's situation and and tom Izzo's situation you already have the hall of fame box checked you already have the championship box checked you have all the conference stuff checked you have every school record in the book so like you already have these things that tend to be the source of criticism for other coaches oh he can't win the big one quote unquote or whatever and like he still gets this stuff of like, oh, he's you know, not that great or he's over the hill or whatever. And it's like then he always ends up in the final four within a year of that criticism. It's it's interesting, like as successful as he's been, he's not immune to it. And that's like that is the coach's life. Right. I mean, yeah. There's no way I don't, it doesn't really matter who it is. I I agree with you. I don't really know what to say to that. But, yeah, it definitely does. Everyone gets criticized. Um, I think that other coaches probably do get criticized. But just because it's so close to home for us, like being a fan of Michigan State, I'm sure we see it a little more. But I'm sure Roy Williams or anyone else had the same criticism. In a they way. all get it, man. I mean, yeah, it's everyone's mad at Belichick now, you know, in New England. It's yeah, like, I don't get that. He won six Super Bowls. I, I, it's like, even if he becomes bad, I'm never going to criticize that guy. If I'm a Patriots yeah. fan, it's like, you're good, man. Like, and it's, I don't know what the basis of the criticism even is at this point. Your, your situation, too, is interesting. Your teammates like really, really like you. I don't know if that's yeah. you're aware of that. <laughs> like, no, I'm aware. I've, I've watched the show. And so you've questions. seen some of this stuff. Yeah, I've seen it pop up. And and, but even just like not off record, because I wouldn't say it then, but like off camera, they're like, oh, man, we love him. Like, like Steve-O. <laughs> it's, it's like it's a genuine. And, you know, my, my thought was going to be like, you know, coach's kid, is there going to be some type of not even like that they would not like you, but just is there awkwardness there? I mean, Ben, you can throw the clip of uh, it was AJ and Tyson talking about Stephen Izzo and just what it's like to to be in the locker room with the coach's son and what that experience is like for them. What's sort of the Stephen Izzo experience like? Is it weird having the coach's son in the locker room where it's like uh, I can't say f the coach or like what's that dynamic like? Nah, it's not weird at all. Co coach even says he doesn't want uh, Stephen uh, to report anything back to him. So like you don't you kind of forget that he's even a coach's son really. He's at practice. It's not like he doesn't get what we get just because he's coach's son. So he might have the same feelings in the locker room as us. So don't let it don't let it fool you. But um, yeah, he's definitely we definitely forget that he's around. He acts just like one of us um in the locker room. Um, it's just fun um being around Steve-O. You de like he said you definitely will forget um, but he's definitely one of the guys and it's fun to be around Steve-O. Yeah, so I mean you're like you're beloved, and I think you're kind of coming in in like a a tough spot. And everyone that I've ever talked to, like in our sort of mutual circles, you know, says the nicest things about you. And I, have you ever felt like sort of an added pressure, like in your situation, knowing who you are, where like if I screw up, it's going to be Tom is those sons screwing up. Is there an added pressure there? Yeah, growing up, uh, just any slants, and I, you're kind of not. I'm not put on a pedestal, but like. Yeah, like I was a public figure from 
age four and five, like everyone knew me if I go to Meyer, like my local grocery stores, like you, I hear people say it. And like, even now it's like obviously more, but like, I don't see a difference. Like from when I was a kid, funny that you mentioned that and like just kind of being known or being recognized. Uh, so I was in Italy like two weeks ago and a group of like four people walked by and they were like, go green to me. And I was not wearing any Michigan state stuff. So I was like, yeah, go white. And then I was like, that was weird. Like, it's kind of crazy. So I went, ate my dinner or whatever. I got up and I left and some, this old, not older couple. I don't want to, they're probably like 40 ish or something. Oh, they, shit. I've been driving <laughs> like four years away from me. They came out to me and they're like, are you Steven is? And I was like, yeah. And they're like, can we get a picture with you? And I just laughed. I was like, how am I like, how is this? They were Michigan state grads, of course, but like, it was just a strange thing. Like I knew that in East Lansing or like maybe in the state of Michigan, like, yeah, I might get recognized, but like, Going out of the country, I thought I was clear. I thought I was gonna have like ultimate privacy and be able to do whatever. Spartan nation, man. <laughs> the, the, those flags are planted all over the place. Yeah, you can't get away from yeah. Michigan State's reach, which is cool. Which is cool. Yeah, it's not a not a bad thing at all. Is it? Was there ever a conversation going into like you know you decide you want to go to Michigan State? Everyone in the family's on board. Whatever. Did you have a sit down? You know where. Your parents are saying like, okay, Steven, like here's, here's the ground rules. You know, there's a separation between the locker room. Like, was there any type of conversation there? Or was it more unspoken? Like, did you have to lay out guardrails? How did that go? Uh, no, I, I've never been one to like, I not, if anything, whatever, I'm not like one to go straight to my parents and kind of try to like, um, I don't even know the situation that I could, I don't even know a situation I could bring up, but I've always been like clear, like my parents have the ultimate trust in me, all that stuff. But I knew going into it, I was never going to bring any, I was not going to like, I could say narc, like I wasn't going to be a narc. I wasn't going to say if someone said something bad about my dad, I was never going to go to my dad or my parents and tell them. I just thought, I always thought that was childish. I thought it was dumb and it is. Um, But I never once like have ever thought about even going to tell anyone of any authority that like, oh, this person's mad with a play call or this person's mad with that. But also we have like an amazing team. We don't have those problems. So, and everything's open. Like my dad's door's open. So if anyone did have the problem, they can go right to him. Like, so there's never been an issue with that. And um, those guys saying that like, I'm I'm not the coach's kid or I don't come off as a coach's kid. I, I completely agree with that. I, I want to know what it looks like if I was in their shoes and I could just have like a clone of myself. Because I think that no one would have any clue just by the way I act in the locker room or their frustrations are my frustrations because we're doing the same thing. So I've never gave off any like, oh, don't say that, like anything like that. But I do try to keep like everyone's kind of head level. Not that anyone has any problems, but like if someone is annoyed, I try to be the positive influence on that and be like, hey, this is what's going on. And then you know, just sometimes when things get chippy on the bench, like be the mediator and try to talk to guys and calm down and, you know, put it all aside because we have the same goal of winning. So I whatever mean, it does to win. And then, I mean, you kind of touched on it, but like the need for kind of bitching about the coach behind his back is kind of out the window because the whole spirit and nature and basis of this program is a healthy confrontation, like yeah. a family arguing. That's every, like players, coaches, everybody says that. We all see it. Like, players can go right up to the coaches and yell at them like in this program, you know? Yeah. In a, and it's in a polite way. It's not in like a jerk way. It's like, no, yeah, it's sometimes up, it might come off yeah. that way, but it's yeah. in the moment. And then right when the game's over, we win, we lose, whatever motions are cool. They're like, 
you would have no clue that anyone argued or was upset. And even when people leave, you know, like transfer out, I still never hear bad stuff about, oh, I hated Michigan State or I hated my coach or I hated my assistant coach or whatever. It's there's sort of a, a reverence and respect even out the door. It may just be like a, you know, Pierre Brooks playing time situation, something more along those lines. I've never, I'm not saying it hasn't happened. I've never heard of a guy leaving Michigan State because like F that coach. Like I, I just, I haven't heard that. It seems to be a pretty healthy relationship, like with the players. And to the extent that the confrontation is there, it's sort of mutual and embraced. And players have been on record about this a hundred times, you know, before. And it's just not that big of a deal. So we are going to touch on that component a little bit. I have like the special segment. I told you a little bit about it before, but I called it Tom Izzo Mythbusters because mm-hmm. I think you're uniquely equipped because <laughs> I mean, you you know him as well as anybody other than maybe your mom. And you're a player for them. So it's like you can kind of tackle these. So what I, I tried to compile what I thought were the four kind of biggest things that, I mean, not to go early here, but I think they're all BS. But, you know, they're out there. Like the criticisms that the you sort of commonly see with Tom Izzo. So the first one, which is, <laughs> might be the dumbest of any of them, <laughs> truth or myth. Tom Izzo deliberately holds players back from the NBA for his own benefit. This no. is an actual <laughs> criticism that he he tells guys, like, don't go to the league, that, you know, they're actually ready. What, what do you make of that? We just have such good guys, personal, personally, like, just great guys. So they're good enough to go to the NBA, but they want to grow. And um, I give credit to a lot of the guys. They No one wants to be in the G League. So they'd rather just stay an extra year in college and be right in the pros. And that's why we don't really have that turnover where people are going and then they're in the G League for four years and then they go to the NBA. It's like they go to the NBA and they're not really leaving the NBA. So we don't really run into that issue like Bryn Forbes, NBA. Denzel, NBA. He's had some injuries, but still NBA. Um, Miles went to the NBA. Jaron, NBA. No one. Um, Gary Harris, no one spent time in the G League. So, I mean, maybe, but it's not like you're playing on the G League the whole time. Um, so just that instance of guys that are going pro or have the ability to go pro kind of before they uh, reach their senior year, um, they go and they come back to Michigan State for a reason of they want to just be a pro. They don't want to be a G League pro. They want to be an NBA pro. I was talking to Jack Ebling a long time ago about this, and I think we were talking about Jaron Jackson or a couple of years ago now, but he was saying that, Tom goes like based on the feedback, like the NBA feedback, what he hears. If he's hearing like you're ready or you're going to be a first round pick, he basically says you got to go and was trying to talk Miles Bridges into leaving. I don't know. Did you see Jaron Jackson's thing from this yeah. week? Yeah, where he came and told that story. I, no one had even heard that story that I am aware of. Maybe you knew it. But I, I, yeah, yeah, I got probably, <laughs> but you never know. A lot of stuff my dad doesn't tell me. I don't know. But, you know, where it's not only am I trying to convince someone not to leave? I'm actually telling them to leave when they they're asking to stay. Uh, Ebling was like, Tom lets the feedback from the league dictate his advice. Like with basically without exception, is that? Yeah. I think that the NBA advice, like he's kind of intertwined with all those GMs and stuff. And now we have three owners from Michigan state. So he gets very good feedback and he gives it to the guys. And if they want to take it, most of them listen. If they don't want to listen, then like, yeah, they end up going, but it's not that we've never had the problem with people that don't want to listen. It's very rare that that occurs. So everything's been, the feedback has just been straight from the NBA. 
And then, you know, guys make the decision from that. And usually it's to come back and kind of get another year in college. And then they go pro and kind of don't look back. I mean, of the four, to me, that's like the dumbest of the four. I can't believe that's a thing, but it's a thing. It's out there. It's very common. Moving on to the next one. This is the most common, I would argue. <laughs> Tom Izzo is a bully and too hard on his players. Is that truth or myth in your mind? That is a huge myth. And I think that um, other podcasts and other videos of what players say or tweets that are in the past um, kind of back that up, that that's a myth. And yeah, there's, it, like you said, it's like a family. So yes, there's confrontations and other stuff that happens, but no one really looks into it right after the moment. It's pretty much done after a minute. Like uh, the Gabe thing when he pulled the jersey when we were in the bubble or whatever. That like after halftime, it was not a thing. Like no one really. And it wasn't even a thing at halftime. It was like, That's oh, it happened said. for a minute. And then it's like, because like, we had no clue. And so after the game, it was like, oh, that happened. All right. Like we're all cool. It doesn't like we lost. Yeah. Like we're mad about we, us losing. But. That had nothing to do with anything. Did you see Malik on the show last week? Did you I did watch? not. Yeah, that's a, he was honestly one of the best guests we've ever had, like athlete or otherwise. But he told the story. He go he broke down the whole thing, and he goes like, "Yeah, I was the one on the switch, like that. You know, we missed the switch, and you know, he was mad at Gabe. So like Malik was sort of the other half of that. And he said, "I had no idea that there was any like controversy at all until after the game, and his phone was blowing up, and everyone's like, oh, like, I guess there was a thing with.'" with coach game nobody cared and that's whenever that does happen you get like the draymond denzel valentine everyone's like on twitter being like all right like that's you know like no one cares about this stuff outside of the walls it's just fascinating like if we don't care maybe like leave us alone is my position but i don't get it moving on okay this is also these are all dumb but whatever (laughs) Uh, we're doing it Tom Izzo has not won a title since 2000 and is thus overrated. That's a very common, oh, it's been 23 years since he won one. Like, you know, that's a, a common, commonly cited demerit. Why do you think that's a, a fact or fiction that he's overrated because he hasn't won since 2000? The big one. I disagree with that. And I hate that, like, it gets under my skin that people say it because it just makes me, it makes me understand just how much people take for granted whether they're Michigan State fans or not. And that's not a shot at Michigan State fans, but we've had it so, and like I'm saying, speaking from a fan base perspective, not like the coach's son or anything else, but eight Final Fours, that doesn't happen at other schools. Like we're at a different level. And when we don't make it, yes, people get pissed, but it's like the bar was set so high and it's been set so high for so long that like not making a Final Four, everyone just like instantly puts you down or like losing three games in the middle of the season. It's like, puts everyone just gets right on a train and just starts crapping on us. And it's just like, I don't get it. Cause it's like, we have it great. Like eight final fours is insane. One national championship. That's yes. That's still good. That's better than probably most schools that other people are cheering for other than like Villanova, Duke or North Carolina. There's an element of luck to that stuff too. I mean, Virginia's national championship. I'm sorry. I'm not going to break it down, but I mean, elite eight Purdue, both final four games, they had some fluky, bizarre break, like at the end in all three games. I mean, there was a the mist, was it a traveling or carrier, whatever it was, like in the Auburn game in the semifinal. Like, and you guys have sort of been the opposite of that. Like, the 2009 team wins a national title probably three or four out of five years, like with that group and how that team came in. And they beat three, you know, or they played three one seeds in a row, they beat two of them. 
played a defending national championship, Kansas, but there was a North Carolina buzzsaw waiting. Yeah. Kalen Lucas the next year, you lost your best player and lost by basically one point because Lucius had to intentionally miss the free throw at the end in the semifinal. So it's like if Lucas doesn't get hurt or if you're not playing one of the best 10, you know, teams of the last hundred years. Yeah. They have, he a, might a, have three NBA guys. You get three guys. So yeah. Um, that's, I was about to say like, um, with that team, like you could argue that we, 2019, we'd win a national championship with, but just as long as we don't play North Carolina in the championship, just like, obviously we're really good. They were unbelievably good with their roster. So it's just a lot of it is the matchup and the draw. And, you know, that's what Malik was saying last week. That's why the Kansas State loss hurt because you guys are, according to him, I don't know, this is what he said. Like, you guys are very aware of how brackets are and, like, kind of what the path looks like for you. More aware than I would have even guessed, like, as a fan. But I, I think the the luck of your draw and just the bounces, it's, you know, it's one and done time. Weird stuff happens. And that's why, like, it, it's it's more there's more meat on that bone if it wasn't a one and done format like let's just say college basketball is best out of three or best out of five you're a little bit more like hanging on your merits there with in terms of national titles but when the one and done it's too volatile it's yeah. tough to say I'm with you on that one last one on this segment Tom Izzo needs to embrace Twitter <laughs> and the social media age now the specific criticism is. Oh, you know, he hates all this stuff and you need it for recruiting, although the recent recruiting class would, would somewhat uh, refute that. But do you think that there's any fairness to like, OK, even if it's not that big of a deal, ideally, he would be more you know, kind of in the Mel Tucker. Yeah, I'm cool on social media thing. Like, is there any merit to that? Uh, no, I, I disagree with like the whole you need Twitter and everything. Um, I'm not on social media too much, like at all. So, and that's not like he put that on me. I just think that social media, yes, it takes a lot of people's days up. And two, it's usually pretty negative. It's not really like the most positive thing. Um, so I kind of just stayed off of it and kind of just live in the moment. And it, it really has helped me just to kind of enjoy my surroundings and not be just sitting on my phone scrolling through random things that I truly don't care about. Um, but I, I just disagree with like the whole, you need Twitter or you need followers or you need to look cool or like um the recruiting i think that it does help in some cases but um in, like twitter is good if you're trying to connect with your players and constantly see what they are doing but if you are not into that and you're getting recruits then it just doesn't i don't know like Do you, we, i don't think it matters too much i now i heard i heard this about the football team I had no idea if this is a thing for the basketball team. And I don't even know if it's true about the football team, but I, I trust the person who told it to me. And I don't even remember the name of the program or something. But um, someone I trust told me the football team has a, like a specific program that is out there that you can use where they get like alerts and uh, they can follow, they can manually enter like everyone on the team and they can get like alerts if there's anything that like might be problematic. And there's some false alarms where it's like, oh, that wasn't a big deal or whatever. But like, is there a sense or if not a sense, an explicit statement that like you guys are being sort of watched by your coaches. Like I know your dad's not on there, but like, is there a, Oh, if I tweet this, you know, I'm going to hear about it. Like, is there an awareness there? I think just most people are like, yes, there's awareness on it, but it's not like, Oh, coaches. It's just like kind of everyone's got a huge following. I mean, I'm assuming guys on Twitter, like probably some of our walk-ons have like 7,000 to 10,000 followers. Um, so like, 
yeah, there's probably an awareness of like, hey, let's not do something dumb or let's not post something dumb. And I think just everyone at Michigan State in general knows kind of how to operate themselves and um, not say something controversial or, you know, hit on something that they shouldn't that's going to spark outrage and um, kind of just go about their day protected. But I do think, yes, that is a very nice feature. Um, I don't know about it, but if it is true, I, that's what I heard. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I, I'm sure it's, it's a great feature for protecting athletes and the school and whatever from anything. But yeah, I just think Twitter, like you see a lot of tweets. I think that they, it might, it could spark a lot of problems. Like tweet something dumb back in 2004 or whenever and it comes back now. It's just like, all right, well, it's, it sucks. <laughs> like and it's 12, like, you were like 12 years old. Years old so it's <laughs> yeah. like. 12 12 years old and yeah it's like it, it's usually like some uh kind of like dorky white kid tweeting out rap lyrics <laughs> yeah it's like usually what's tripping these people up i feel like but yeah i mean it's it's it is perilous man it's dangerous out there and it's like i i do see the value in it though too i was talking i honestly i can't even remember if this was on camera or off uh you know with keon coleman since left uh just you know about the value he's seen in it and you know, his NIL money that he was getting before he left uh, was from social media stuff. And he's like, if I wasn't on social media, I wouldn't have any of it. He goes like, all of it is one degree of separation away from my presence on social media. So it's tough for me to ever say, you know, oh, it's, it's bad. Twitter's bad, but it's dangerous. It's, yeah. like, it's a bit of a minefield. I agree. Twitter or just social media in general has really helped recruiting um, for the football team that we've seen, like with all the cool things that they've done and as well as um, just getting the following. Cause if you get tagged in a photo from MSU football or tagged in a photo from MSU basketball or whatever it is, or a news article, your followers are instantly going up because people want to tune into you no matter what they could hate you. They're still going to follow you. And right there, that's revenue in a way. But like the social media thing, like you had to go to Malik, go through Malik to text me yeah. cause you, there's no contact. So right. Obviously, a lot different. Yeah, I just DM'd him but... and invited him on, but you're not on there. So <laughs> yeah. I, I couldn't do that with you. Yeah. Him. Yeah. So, it, I mean, it helped. It was a degree of separation. But, yeah, you're here right now yeah. because Malik Hall is on Twitter, and I messaged Malik Hall on Twitter, and that's yeah. like, now you're here. So, for me, it's great. I mean, aside from the fact that we broadcast it, we're a media company here. And so it's an, it's an essential anyway. So it's just how you handle it. It's like a lot of things. I don't buy like this hard line. It's bad. It's just, it's dangerous. Yeah. Be careful. Uh, especially when you're young, man. I mean, I, I'm glad like it, this stuff was just starting to crank up. Like when I was in college, mm -hmm. cause it might be in trouble. Like you know, <laughs> <laughs> stuff out there, nothing like, like hate or something, but just like dumb, like kind of drunky Magoo type stuff when you're 20 and you're stupid. Yeah. And, you know, it's it's a, a good thing that I wasn't and a lot of people above me, you know, in age were not subjected to that. But I feel like even you know, I have three kids. It's like I'm dreading that conversation. They're too young now. But, man, it's like one dumb picture and you're just done. Do you guys talk about that like symposium stuff like, hey, don't be careful. Don't say this stuff like just as a team. Not really. Don't say anything. We don't really talk about that. I think guys just have like a clue of like. Oh yeah, that like let's not post a funny thing or like not funny thing, but if like something happens and like it's us just like messing around or something dumb, like guy swears you probably shouldn't put that out there. And then, like swearing's not the issue. It's just more of like just have a very clean slate. And um, it's I mean you can lose a job from just liking the wrong thing. We just saw it at Michigan with uh, Shemi Shembeck, or I don't know if you even were aware of that, but 
Yeah, just he had, he had liked, and I'm not going to ask you to comment on Michigan stuff because that's bad for uh, both of us and you especially potentially. But yeah, I mean, we just had, he lost his job. He had it for seven minutes, but you know he liked some deplorable stuff, and he's gone. And the difference is he's a 53 year old man, not a college mm-hmm. kid, so there's a little less like leash there. But yeah, it's scary stuff. I I you know respectfully not even disagree with the basketball programs and your, your dad's like anti stance. I I just, I think he doesn't see the value in it maybe as much as others do. Like he sees all the bad, but in his defense, I've heard, not going to tell which player told me, but I've heard that like guys over the years have been in his office, like distraught over harassment they're getting on Twitter. So it's like, I kind of don't blame him for being like, yeah, what is this shit? You know, like, get, like, we get this out of here. Yeah, there's there's positive stuff. There's negative stuff. But I think that the negative stuff obviously outweighs the positive. Like if someone says you're so good. Yeah, that's like, oh, yeah, that's like, what do you call it? Dopamine. Like, yeah, that's great. Yeah. Then someone's like, you suck. It's like, wow, that hit me for like a, another day. That didn't that wasn't like a five minute. Like, I feel really good. That was like, oh, that's that sucks. Like, and obviously take it with a grain of salt because it doesn't really matter. But I mean, um, nobody got this. More, and I've talked about it repeatedly on this show. Nobody got this crap more than A.J. Holgard in the past year. And, you know, his body language and people, oh, his bad attitude stuff. And, you know, I brought it, like, right to him on the show and was asking him about it. And, like, he seemed to be keenly aware of, like, what was out there. He's just, he's kind of like a, he's a, he's hard-nosed. He doesn't really care. But it does affect guys. Like, it does affect guys in different ways. And, you know. People are dicks, man. I don't, it's yeah. like, it, it's, it is a tough spot. So I do understand sort of the flip side of it. So speaking of Keon, did you see that thing this week from Keon about the sentence at Michigan State? Uh, two-year sentence? I think I saw a clip of it today or something. Yeah, I don't know. Ben, do you have that? I, I mean, I, this, is, this, this is a kind of a brief aside, but do you have the Keon clip? My people, my brother knew, man. I told him. I'm going to go do my two-year, I, I, I'll be just. I'm going to do my two-year sentence up there, and I'm going to come back down south for my last year to tear that shit up. I'm going to go do what I need to do up there, become the person I need to become, learn what I need to learn. I belong down south. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I wanted to go to SEC at the beginning, but everybody was in the same, like, the, the boat they was in was like, I would have went there and just been a big receiver. I'm like, right, nah, right, 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 right. I'm better than that. I mean, Keon's been here. He and I were watching the Kentucky game <laughs> with the overtime game, like, at this desk, and like I like Keon Coleman for the record. Um, I didn't love that sentence thing though. Did that bother you at all? Like that that line? Uh, I don't know if it necessarily bothered me at all, but uh, he's just one of my teammates, so I'm gonna root for him wherever he's at. I wish yeah. him the best and whatever he does, and I want to see him su- successful because he's probably going to the league next year. So um, didn't really bother me too much. Um, it's I think it's clunky wording. Like it's another one of those. I mean, I, I admit I'm a little biased because I met him and I really liked him. Yeah, he probably meant no harm by that. And yeah, yeah, that's I'm trying to tell people like clumsy comment. It was you know it wasn't a like greatly worded, but I really don't think he was meaning to dig at the school Mm-mm. because like the the next six minutes are talking no, about like how never, great Courtney Hawkins is and yeah, so. I don't think he would ever take a dig at Michigan State just because of how he is as a person. He he cares about us. He still texts us. Um. All the time, he used, him, Max Christie, and Malik were like, they texted us after every game, after no matter win or loss. So He was one of the most fun people to watch a game with. He was so funny, man. He was sitting in the chair you're in right now, and we couldn't get the monitor to work, like, to play the game. It, it, it works, but that night we couldn't. So we were, like, huddled around the laptop, 
And he kept like jumping up and was like coaching you guys like <laughs> through the little laptop screen. It was so funny. And uh, he was yelling at Aikens and he goes like timeout, you know, whatever. There's a break. He sits down. He goes, man, I'm going to weigh in his ass when I get back to campus. <laughs> <laughs> it's like he's, he's really like he does, to your point, like care about you guys. Yeah. It was really, you know, rooting for you guys. Like I, I just I wanted to throw that out there and get your perspective. Like having been his teammate, he's not kind of what he's being portrayed based on that snippet. He's one of the smartest, like, pickup basketball guys I've ever met in my entire life. Like, when he first came out, I was like, oh, the terminology might get him. And they'd, like, say something to him, and he would do it right away, or he'd be full convert. This is, this is a legit thing that happened. Full conversation with me, not paying attention. And they're like, if you mess it up, I'm going to be pissed. And he did it right on spot. And I was like, no way he listened to that. There's no chance, because I have no clue what's said. And he was <laughs> mid-conversation with me. And he ran the guy. play right away, and I was like, yeah, "That's insane!" And yeah, he, he does, he's a very good student and stuff like that. So, yeah. very smart guy. Yeah. So you're you're defending him. I was defending him a little bit earlier today, being like, "Yeah, it's." Uh, I don't think that's really representative as an example of like where he's at. I just think it was not greatly worded, but not as it was intended to be read. He was. I I pulled this. I hope you're not mad at me, Stephen. He was off camera. I think it was off camera. He was uh, telling me, hey, like I said, all your teammates love you. He was saying what a great guy you were and how much you liked, you know, being on the team with you the previous year. And he did say, uh, he, he goes, uh, Steve-O did me wrong once. He, he got me wrong one, one time. He did one thing that really got me. He said he had a really good dunk plan against Maryland on that. Do you know the oh, plan yeah, I'm talking yeah. about? He was joking, but he goes like, Oh man, I was ready. I had the tomahawk ready. And so Ben, do you have the clip of, I'm more interested in the reaction after the play itself. This is so <laughs> cool. The, the Stephen Izzo Maryland play where Keon Coleman really wanted the tomahawk dunk, but but didn't. Parker gives it up. Scott works in. Stripped to the ball by Izzo. Izzo running. And knocked out of bounds. Izzo's pumped up. <laughs> and his dad enjoying it. Tell him, hey, easy does it. Yeah. Want to be classy. Yeah, sure does. It's a great experience, though, for Tom to be able to be coaching and spending a lot of time with his son. <laughs> what is what is the the rubbing of the forehead there? Was he like mad? Was what was that? What was that about? He wasn't mad. The only thing he said, he's like, "Don't do that," because we play him next week. And so I kind of <laughs> oh. understood that. So, but I think it was more of like a. He wasn't mad, but he wasn't happy. He just was like trying to hide that he was like, ex he was excited for me for sure. I think he was trying to hide that, like his emotion truly. And I think he thought it was funny. Just the whole thing. <laughs> the steal was a nice play too. I think it was more of a block. I thought he was going up. Well, I like yeah. count it as a block. Uh, a forced turnover. However, <laughs> however it went down, but, but I mean, what I didn't even, cause you can't really see from the angle. Like I'm still not sure even having watched it again. Like they just like bounce off your, like Someone, what happened? They hit the ball. Oh, it got it got, yeah, it got hit. Tipped. Okay, I saw the like the defender there, but I didn't realize that he had it actually hit the ball. But your reaction was so awesome. Do you, do you like sense? Because I, I in the Graham Couch article, you said that you don't even remember your first time checking in. No, which is yeah, crazy. Like, you like black out. I don't know. It's just like because that was like something that I've looked forward to my whole life, and then like kind of getting in, it was like all right, like this is my number one. Like this was my dream, my goal whatever it was, like I've dreamed about this moment my whole life and then like don't remember a thing about it. <laughs> at, least, at least you went to the scorer's table. I'm surprised you didn't like kind of screw that one up. I mean, that's like if you're <laughs> that much in of a, uh, like a daze, I can't even imagine that situation. But you, you 
know that like when you're going in now, you remember the second time you checked in and the third time, right? Yeah, I remember most of them. Like yeah. we played is another bad memory, but we played at Iowa this year and the fans were for them were cheering for me. Like towards the end of the game. And they're like, put in Steven, put in Steven. And then um I our strength coach gives me like gummy bears or whatever on the bench. And I was like eating gummy bears and they're like, we want some. So I was like, give me a pack. I'll give it to him. We're up like 15 at this point or whatever. We were yeah, up. it was in the bag. That's so the go, game ended right then. Right? So at half t- before halftime, I threw him the gummy bears and walked in. I came out for halftime and they had a gift basket for me. Like their fans went and got random things. They got t-shirts. They had foam fingers and stuff that they were giving away or whatever that people caught. And they're like, we got this for you. And I was like, all right, I'm going to get it after the game. We lose. I was like, I can't get that. <laughs> so I had to walk right back in the locker room. But um, yeah, even like away fans like Minnesota or Ohio State, like um, they they started cheering for me. And yes, it's weird, but it's also like it's kind of the respect thing because I think it's super cool from the sense of they probably have, both all those schools probably have a lot of respect for my dad. So they're not going to like trash anyone or anything. And they kind of just I don't know. It's very I respect it. And I can't thank them enough for, you know, the positiveness that they have, even if it's the other school. I mean, the, the Breslin crowd in terms of, I mean, your home crowd, I mean, it's like a frenzy when you jump up yeah. I and mean, people are like, it's, it's crazy. Yeah. It, I mean, it's like, it's, it's genuine. I mean, you kind of feel like, you know, everybody's, I don't know, son, brother. Cause like, you know, I mean, I remember like when you were born and it's like, here's what he named his son. Cause they yeah. just won the national title. It's Stephen Mateen. And like, people just feel a real connection to you. Do you, do you, I mean, you said you didn't remember the first time checking in. Are you aware of the the sort of hubbaloo and buzz like when you're standing up at Breslin specifically? Like, do you hear that in the moment? Yeah, I hear it in the moment, and it it doesn't embarrass me, but it kind of, it's like one of those things where it's like, all right, like let's let's tone it down, but it's also like very cool. And obviously, probably five years from now when I'm graduated, I'm gonna wish that they were doing it still. But it's one of those things that it's uh it's definitely an amazing thing, and I'd rather have everyone like me than hate me. So. I'll take it. You're universally beloved. I mean, yeah, I mean, I don't have that uh, that luxury, man. I'm very I'm a little more polarizing <laughs> than Stephen Izzo is. So you you could have been done and had your senior day and and been mm-hmm. out of here. You chose to exercise the COVID year, uh, the extra year of eligibility. Was there any consideration leaving? Like, in so many words, like, why did you decide to come back? So I definitely thought about leaving, like before, like, um, during COVID. Like right before, so after my freshman year, um, it ended, COVID happened, no one had a clue what was going on. I'm like a severe, I wouldn't say severe. I'm a, I'm a little bit of a germaphobe. So I was like, I don't really want to get sick. Like if I'm going to get sick, like now, because I'm opening the door for 30 plus people to get me sick from our team or the other team. So I was a little freaked out about that. And then I was like, oh, like, we'll tough it out, whatever. And then kind of wasn't sure after that. And then like, my junior year, I was like, yeah, I'm, I'm going to keep playing. And then I had the, I graduated in three years. So I had the opportunity to walk my junior year and I was like, no, I'll put it off. Cause we lost like three games in a row towards the end of the season. I was like, I don't really want to go out on a bad note. So then last year happened and like before the season even started, I knew that I was coming back for this year. So I'm getting my master's and I was like, I don't really want to just be a student and work. Like I didn't want a full-time job and be a student and just like not have that ever, not have that like extra year. Now I'm going to just be a student and have 
a full year of college to just kind of relax so and you're working the job thing. you're working in east lansing already right now no no i'm not working oh, oh. if i would have stopped i would got would have oh i got a job you. and do school <laughs> yeah, so i was like yeah, oh, i'd rather just be a play basketball and do school uh yeah i could co-sign <laughs> that I, i'm with you on that plan like and it was the joke today too like stay as long as you can like there's still i would tell any michigan state we have a lot of michigan state like current students now like yourself that that watch our show like man bleed out that clock like let it let yeah. it stay as long as you can i am in the minority maybe i view graduation day as like a sad day i was not happy to be leaving i was like please can i <laughs> i would like fail one more test just to stay here like so they can't kick me uh kick me out of the door just yet but there's nothing like Michigan State. It's, it's the best place on earth. And, um, you know, I just, there's no place I'd rather be. I can't imagine not staying an extra year, like if I had that option. But did you have any conversations like with your mom and dad about, about it? I'm sure like they were psyched you were sticking around. Uh, yeah, they were pumped. Uh, the only conversation I really had was like during COVID because I just was like, it was one of those weird things. Like they knew that I was like teeter tottering on it and just like didn't know how to react and obviously i kept playing and it all went good i got covid three times but <laughs> three, it's all good. three times yeah i got three times yeah your your immunity is i don't you're either like really good or really bad it's one or the other but like you, you get it a lot but you're you're still kicking yeah. man i yeah it's, it'll be interesting this year i because i've talked to other players you know going into their last year you know malik and i talked about it like there is a sense for him and a lot of these other guys in your situation as well, where I want to win every year, but I really want to win this year, you know, win like the whole thing, mm -hmm. or even if it's just, you know, for those that have a big 10 title, win one more. It's like that last senior year when you know you're gone after this year, it does seem to kick up the intensity and, and focus. Has that been your experience? Like where you really, this year feels a little extra heavy because you know it's your last chance to to be on the stage. I know it's my last chance of being on the stage, but I know that however many years my dad has left, that I'm gonna still be as much a part of it as I am now. So yeah, that's um, what you're in a unique. I'm in a situation. unique situation. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but to be fair, yeah, the yeah. the win, like yeah, I obviously want to go out winning whatever, um, conference tournament, uh, conference championship, national championship, final four, um, any preseason thing. If I could pick, I'd rather just go undefeated, not lose a game. But obviously, you never know. It's never really been done in recent years. Well, it's because so. you guys schedule like maniacs. <laughs> like Michigan State is never going to have that. Like the one year they came close was the 2018 year, where it was like what a 32 and four team, the team that lost to mm -hmm. Syracuse. And it's you know the schedule was a little bit lighter that year by Michigan State standards. Um, you know, but. You play that gauntlet. I feel like the program ethos is like I'd rather have nine losses and be battle tested than three losses and not have played as many tough opponents. I mean, that's been you know any place, anytime, anywhere mentality. Yeah. So I think it helps us for the end of the year, or just in general. You know, the quick turnarounds. Um, this year, I don't know if it really got us. I think guys were tired. I'm not making excuses, but going West Coast and everything, and like West Coast back to Michigan, back to West Coast to New York, like. That was insane, and I hope it never happens again. And I, I don't think it ever will happen again. And um, it's a unique experience playing in all those tournaments. And obviously, I'd rather play in them than have some other team playing it. And we had the opportunity and kind of backed out, but um, it's definitely made a lot of memories doing that. But yeah, just kind of catching up and kind of getting ready for like the Notre Dame game. They played their, they played unreal. They hit a bunch of shots, but. I think that if we kind of stayed on our time zone, it would be a little different story. 
Yeah, I mean that there's definite merit to that. I mean it's just a fact when you're as a reason teams are off back to backs in the NBA coming from West Coast like don't play as well. It's not like really an excuse, just reality of the situation. But you guys kind of lean into the fire. It, it seems like as a program, and it's always been that way. The the good thing is you are ready for those battles when they come. And you know the Kansas State game. And Malik said it was like the best game he'd ever been a part of. Just electric. It was crazy. It was that that was the definition of a game where. And I thought this like even at the time as it was going on. Like, I don't want to see Kansas State lose either. It's like, can we just like let both of these teams advance? Like, can they both move on? It was the two best performances in terms just haymaker, 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 haymaker. Yeah. Like, just shot after shot after shot. And guys kept answering on both teams. And I think those situations with the scheduling helps build mm-hmm. character for that. And the other positive for kind of our schedule of doing that is guys get used to the NBA lifestyle. So kind of opens the door to like what everyone on the team wants to do later on in life. So that's the other benefit. Yeah. I mean, when I had Anthony Ayani on, he's like, we just do cooler shit at Michigan state. <laughs> like we play on ships. Like, you know, I, he goes, I met Obama. Like we just do cooler yeah. stuff. Like it's yeah. Like Gonzaga on, on the boat was tough. Like, yeah. North Carolina, you know, years ago on the boat was pretty tough. Like it's tough playing. Was it like Germany and like an air force hanger yep. or something like these these are tough games yeah and like we've but lost a lot of these tough games but the experience is yeah. something that no one else is gonna get so i mean it's like i'm sure did you meet obama like the first carrier class like? i was there but no i didn't. no i, I mean it's the, the team room. did though so yeah. like if you're on the team they all got to meet the president like yeah there's you know it's it's a little hard to shoot i've been told i have his it. jersey still so uh, so there you he, go he left uh we got him like a 43 jersey with uh usa or whatever on the back and the camo and for whatever reason i like got left behind i still have it at my house oh you have the obama jersey <laughs> so it's all good <laughs> oh man i if that's on ebay that's gonna go wild <laughs> I, yeah wait until spartan kids hears about that one all right let's get to the speed round we're gonna rip through these i know you're uh you're coming from a far distance here, so we'll, we'll try to go quick. We'll oh, rip no through worries. these. Ben, let's run it. All right, I'm fascinated by this subject. It's come up many times. The Cleveland Fortation. Now, <laughs> you are blamed for the almost exit at the press conference announcing the return. Ben, play that clip really quick for context. This is Tom Izzo's press conference announcing I'm a Spartan for life in 2010 after the flirtation with Dan Gilbert and the Cleveland Cavaliers. And I know a lot of people would say, well, why would you want to leave? And uh, I didn't. I didn't want to leave. But I think both President Simon and and Mark Hollis um, said it best, you know, it when you have a decision like that, I talked to my wife. I was going to talk to my daughter. She was in finals, so I thought that was a bad idea. And I'll admit, if you want to be mad at somebody, Stephen thought playing one-on-one with LeBron James would be a good time every day. So be mad at him. So I guess we should blame you that it, it dragged on. <laughs> what about, how old were you, like three or something? Uh, I'm not three. I no, was, no, like you were like 10, probably. I think I was nine. Yeah, nine or 10, yeah. Yeah, I say everyone seems so young. Like when you're here, like under if you're under thirty, I feel like you're uh, <laughs> like an infant. Um, yeah, so obviously at nine ten, you have like pretty sharp, vivid memories of that process. Yeah. Right? I'm guessing. Like, what was that like that you recall? Well, the the one down, or I remember going there and you know doing the tour around, and 
Um, my sisters obviously had to do that more often. We didn't, we've entertained stuff, but most of the stuff has been like meetings at how the house or like, we're not like going actively flying out there to like tour it around. Um, we did tour around Cleveland. So that was like my first one. Um, and I remember them driving around and showing us like schools we could go to or neighborhoods we could live in or the facility when my dad was meeting. And they were like, yeah, you, there's all boys school and all girls school. And I was like, I was like, looked at my sister, like, I'm good. Like, <laughs> I'd rather just stay in East Lansing. <laughs> that was the deal breaker? <laughs> no. Uh, you were in until that. They they brought that up, and I was like, then I thought about, like, all my friends that I would leave, like, just in school, and I was like, that just doesn't sound fun. And they were like, you have to wear a button up, and I was like, I'm good. I don't dress up too much, so. Yeah, yeah. Um, But I just remember, like, all those things and kind of touring around the facility and going in the locker room, just running around for, like, the five-hour meeting that they had or their tour that they did. But um. Most of my, like the, the ones in high school, like the job interviews in high school, or I guess we went to Chicago, but that was a little different, but just like going to different places and like seeing different things or them, like they load you up with stuff. Cause they're trying to like, not like in a bad way. Like I remember, and well, Gilbert, we knew Gilbert very well. He gave me like a bunch of fat heads when he came over. Like there was a box shipped to my house. He was the fat head guy. And, uh. I remember that, and I was like, oh, we should entertain these all the time. <laughs> oh, you got to butter the kid up. That was actually smart. That's why he's a billionaire. You got to butter the kid up. Like, was there ever, like, a, okay, like, you know, I don't know. Do they call your sister Rocky or Raquel? Like, like let's gather. No. Okay, Rock, like, Rocky, Steven, gather around the table here. What would you guys think? Because, like, like, when my parents moved seven miles, they were like, hey, like, different school. What do you think? Like, they sat us down. This is a much bigger change. Like, was there ever anything like that? Like, hey, what do you guys think? Uh, probably when I was in high school, we had a little, I don't know, kind of talk or whatever. Not like my parents, but it was to the point where they were like, well, if we do this, like you could switch schools. And it was like either move or like, we'll just pick a, uh, I had like three friends that went to Lalamere. So it was like either move or like you could just go be a student at like a prep school. And I was like, okay, like, yeah, we'll look into it. We never actually, like, fully looked into it. That was, like, my eighth grade year going into high school. So, um, kind of dodged that. Or maybe it was my freshman year, whatever. It, yeah. was, it wasn't It was anything crazy. It would have been a change. Um, but rather than, like, with the NBA lifestyle, like, it could be a year and then, like, you're done and then you got to move. So, it was like, why not? Let's not move us all out there. And then, like. So, that, like, there was another. <laughs> yeah, you don't even have to name names. But there was another, like, NBA flirtation post. Cavaliers? Not like super deep. It was it was a little bit of a flirtation, but it wasn't yeah. like super deep that we were like, oh, we're going. It was probably more entertained, but it was still like not always that take the phone call. Yeah, yeah. You gotta you gotta always take the phone call. Yeah, yeah. And I, I mean, because that was the thing, like Atlanta, right after two thousand, you were either not born. I wasn't yet born. Or, my sister yeah. went. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's like that was a uh, a thing for a minute. That was seemingly farther along than you know whatever you're referring to now but yeah it's i think you know when your time is you're gonna get calls it's just how it is and like these organizations should be calling you know for due diligence if nothing else but i i don't for years i had heard that he had your dad had been trying to sort of back channel with lebron's camp to find out because lebron was a pending free agent mm -hmm. and that was all you know preceding the decision i had heard that for years i talked about it a little bit that i had heard it but i couldn't report it then he kind of like just admitted that in that Graham Bensinger interview this year where he was like, yeah, like there were some conversations. I mean, I'm paraphrasing, but he basically admitted that not saying he definitively would have left, but 
I think the chances increase if LeBron had been coming back, I, I would lean towards he probably would have left. I don't know. You'd have to be crazy to blame him. Like if LeBron James resigned for, I think the, if you were staying with the same team at the time, the max extension was seven years. It's, it's since been reduced to four or five, five. But um, what do you, what's your take? I mean, do you think he's off to Cleveland if LeBron's there? Um, no, I think you have a fair judgment. Obviously, I don't know. I know he loves this place and he loves Michigan State with everything in him and he wants to be here. Um, obviously, kind of coaching, I'll say the second best player to ever live. Um, I'll still stay with uh, MJ. But uh, I think the opportunity of, you know, having that, that's not something that's like given every day. So um, that's a job you probably keep. <laughs> Well, maybe. Um. No one, no, nah, no NBA coaches stay. Yeah, I mean, LeBron is actually the opposite. He, every that's why I said to, maybe, yeah. maybe, maybe yeah. you stay. He he would have been he would have been out of there in two years. Like everybody, I mean, nobody <laughs> nobody lasts. I mean, it's just, at, at at what point is it like a LeBron thing? As great as he is, it's like I mean, talk about coach killer. So moving on, somewhat related. I'm calling it the Stephen Izzo theory. It's been brought up on my show multiple times in terms of the Tom Izzo career timeline. The theory has been out there for three, four years at least, you know, really from when you came in, but heat it up. The theory goes, Tom Izzo will stay as long as Steven's here. And when you decided to come to Michigan State and be on the team, there were a lot of people, I was one of them, saying, good, like that's at least four years. They sent me the tweet that you tweeted out, or I've seen the tweet that you You, tweeted out. Wait, which one? I've tweeted a lot. Well, (laughs) it was like one along the lines of like, oh, we got him for five more years. Yeah. Yeah. It was like the perfect walkout or something that, something that was said. Yeah. So you've, okay. So I'm busted, but I told you I said that I was one of the big proponents of it, but I I can't even take credit for the theory. Like I heard it somewhere else. I can't even remember, but I kind of bought into it. Now you have only one year left. Mm you're you all you're already like a year longer than you really needed to be here as a, you know on the team as a player like i don't think this is his last year so that would kind of debunk the steven Izzo theory what's your take i on think the if steven you're writing Izzo? a movie you do it that way but i i don't know how many years he's got left i don't know obviously um he says he's kind of like a new age or whatever and um obviously can't really comment on recruiting but our recruiting's going pretty well i'd say so yeah um kind of and he still loves it so when he when he stops loving it, it'll be done but i don't see that love kind of running out anytime soon or anytime in the near future but who knows i asked malik about it too on the show and he said i can't even picture him retired like if he doesn't oh yeah no he's, <laughs> he's not gonna re- he might retire from coaching but he's doing something else <laughs> i he said co- i mean because he said I, I mean i'm paraphrasing a little bit but malik was like he was on the show he said yeah i can't picture tom Izzo waking up in the morning and not like immediately going and doing critical basketball stuff yeah i think he'll probably he'll get a job in something but if he's done coaching if that's like too much stress or whatever but i don't see him kind of done like i don't know it's never really pertained and obviously something could happen tomorrow and he's like oh like i i'm getting it tired but he still enjoys it. he still likes recruiting he still likes doing all that stuff so um who knows how much time he's got i just hope the portal stuff and nil stuff doesn't wear him out because that <laughs> that's like like roy williams kind of denied it i mean i i got my mba at, at, from unc so i'm gonna unc is kind of like my my you know baby stepsister school but Everyone in Chapel Hill was like, yeah, Roy left because of the NIL and portal stuff. Like he just didn't, I'm not going to recruit my own players every year kind of thing. He was already going to be gone like in a couple years. So it wasn't like 
he ended 10 years earlier than he would have. But that was like the final, like, mm-hmm. okay, I was going to do two more. Now I'm out. Like that, that'd be my only concern with him. Although I don't think he's on the doorstep of it, but it's whenever it is, it's going to be too soon. I think <laughs> when she gets state people <laughs> and it's, it's the thing, like even the state people that criticize, you know, the program in any way, whether it's your dad or just the program generally in that large, it is a definition to be careful what you wish for. Cause yeah. you said it like other schools don't have what we have. And there's, there's only three or four that you would put like in my lifetime. Like I, I would definitely rather be a Tar Heel just in terms of, you know, hardware. Like we're, we're way up there. So yeah, I hope, uh, I was a big fan of the Stephen Izzo theory because at the time I'm like, I don't know, this is a guaranteed like four or five more years. I don't know if we have one or two now that like you're leaving. I hope it was wrong. So it's kind of like, I've kind of flipped on it, but um, anyway, moving on the hardest Michigan state loss for you. Now I, this can be, I put my personal one up there. Uh, Draymond getting hacked and no call. And by the way, I always tell people, if you ever see Tom Izzo out and about, like just at the grocery store or whatever, just go up to him and ask him if Gordon Hayward hacked Draymond. He, he automatic he'll he'll confirm that it was a a bad missed call and he's very funny he'll give a funny response so if you test me on it i've tried it a couple of times that was the worst one for me 2010 butler whether it was you know as a player student you know kid growing up like was there one that was man that that sucked i wish we could have that one back so no every loss is the same to me like i said it's like the win and lose like you get fired you whatever don't maintain a job so every loss I take like very serious and I'll push everyone away. Like I won't talk to you. Um, like my best friends, like my girlfriend, I will not talk to anybody. And then like, I've worked on it. I've worked on it since like last year. <laughs> I've tried to get better at it because it affects my mood. And I was like, you know, what? I'm going to try not to let it affect my mood. And like, I want to just be normal. Like I, I don't want to like rely on, you know, sports. Like I gotta, I gotta kind of grow out of that phase or try to do something different. Um, but like a Michigan loss, pissed. Uh, Middle Tennessee State, um, I wouldn't say it's a flute game. They shot very well. We shot very well as well. But um, that game, I think I had more of an understanding. Um, 2010, I was 10 years old. So it's kind of like I did know what was going on, but I didn't know what was going on. Um, I, I, knew, I knew what we could have done now. Obviously, there's a great chance at a national championship if we get through that game. Um, facing Duke, not any discredit to Duke, but that was one of their non-great teams. <laughs> it's that they a B-minus Duke team. Yeah, yeah, it wasn't like a you know the Zion team that they had. It wasn't um, crazy uh, mismatches. It was like Kyle stuff. Singler was their best player, maybe. Mm-hmm. Like I mean, they were not. That was not. And that's like not a discredit to him because he was a great player. Well, well, I mean, you win a nas- national championship and you're the best player in the team. Like they're all great players. Mm-hmm. It's just like relative to other. Yeah. You know, other Duke players. We're grading and, on a curve. Yeah, <laughs> like a yeah. very good, like best program yeah. of its generation curve. So yeah. as much as it pains me to say that, but you know, so yeah, yeah. With that said, so you're, you're kind of putting that middle Tennessee state, uh, you know, uh, it's gotta be top five. That's it. It's definitely in your top one or two. It sounds like. Yeah. Just cause you know, just like that was probably, that was a great team we had. And, um, I remember we were like, everyone picked us to win the national championship that year. Favorites in Vegas. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, I came to school and one of my teachers said something. It wasn't anything bad, but he said something that just, I was pissed. I was like, that's not cool. Like, like Not anything a- bad. He's like, he's like, oh, it's weird to see you back so early. And I was like, oh, and it that wasn't, is bad. It wasn't even a mean comment. Like, I, I love the teacher. Like, we're still, we're still boys. But I was like, 
was like, I wish you would have worded it a little better. <laughs> yeah, I, you can like the teacher all you want. That's like, come on, man. And he didn't mean that's... it in a bad way at all. But yeah, well, it's like Keon Coleman didn't mean it in a bad <laughs> way. But yeah, that's a ugh, that's rough. Yeah, and that's I mean that's another thing that's come up too. Like with um, not just I mean you guys like uh, Calipari talked about it when his uh, one of his sons was growing up. Just like the the weird comments at school and stuff. Like, mm-hmm. have you dealt with that? Like, even well intended. Like, uh, yeah. There's been a lot of now. Just like the what do you call it? Like, it, I don't know. Whatever. Um, like there's so there were some Michigan fans at your high school. I'm guessing, even though you're. I mean, Brandon Johns went to Michigan. I mean, yeah, I had, <laughs> like, I had Michigan fans, and I don't know. Everyone kind of. I I was normal. No one like. It was like, yeah, that's his son, but it wasn't like I grew up with all the kids, so it didn't really matter. Like yeah. p- private school, like everyone's kind of the same boat. A lot of parents worked at the university, or a lot of kids I've known since pre not preschool, but like grade school, because everyone goes from the all the connecting schools to the big the high school. Um, so there's no like drama on that, or like I never was treated differently. I just was looked at as an equal, which was awesome. Um, growing up and going to high school, and stuff like that. Um. I would get stuff, people would say stuff like, they would try to, not trick me, like, I had a kid in, when I was in probably fifth or sixth grade, it was the Cleveland thing, um, people will say something, and I'm like, oh, is that true? And I remember, there was an instance where something happened, and kids came up to me at school, and they were like, oh my gosh, did you hear about this? And I was like, no, that's not true, like, that didn't happen or whatever. And that was brought up in that press conference that we played the clip from, not in that clip, but I, I think Tom mentioned that something about like, a, yeah, I got my kid coming up to me, asking me questions and from the message board stuff. And yeah. So, um, I guess I can say it doesn't, it matters, but it doesn't matter. So in like, I think I was in fourth or fifth grade. Um, the Derek Nix thing happened and I was in school and some kid was like, yeah, did you hear about Derek Nix? And I was like, no, like, what and he like said it and i was like so pissed that someone would say something like it was like obviously it was a negative thing i was like don't say that like that's not funny and i remember my mom came and picked me up from school and it was one of those things where it was like i went right to her i was like sobbing in tears because nicks was like one of my favorite players and he even says it in his uh press report um that he wanted to apologize to me and all that other stuff and i remember my mom i went right to my mom and i asked her about it and she's like yeah, like something happened, but he wants to talk to you. And then obviously I talked to him later and he apologized to me and forgiven everything. But uh, yeah, just like that happened. Um, it wasn't traumatizing, but it wasn't like, a, it was not an experience I ever wanted to happen. So kind of throughout school after that, if there was like a, someone could say like, oh, your dad took a different job or um, April, occasional April Fool's, like he got fired or retired. Like I would get a notification or someone would be like, yeah, it's a joke. So if someone brings it up, like you're good. So, so the- I kind of was in the loop after that. So there was no other, but it was one kid and it wasn't anything bad. He just asked me if I knew about it. And I was like, no, I had no clue. And I thought he was lying. So and it's like, that's more like playground gossip. So like you, I mean, I got bullied more than you did for Michigan state losses, <laughs> but I, I, my Michigan fan friends were not so kind growing up. And most of them are still jerks now, you know, it's like, we all good fun, but. Yeah, I mean, it's it's fascinating how that experience can can bear out because you are a public figure and connected to a public figure and like something like that. I don't know the kid, but he may have been completely innocuous and just asking like if you yeah. heard about it. And it's like creating this devastating ripple. But that's you know that's yeah. what you're subjected to. It's it's 
the kids are kind of along for the ride. And that's something I think a lot of famous people, you know, have to, to weigh with their kids. It's like, you know, it's, you're the son or daughter of a famous person. It's tough. And there's a lot of considerations there. We'll finish uh, two more funniest Michigan state player. This could be a current teammate. It could be when you were six years old, someone was funny. Like who, who's got like the funniest, best sense of humor of any player you've seen since you've been on planet earth. Dan Chapman. Dan Chapman? Easily. Just, was he like good one-liner or what's the? Uh, just funny in general. Uh, so Dan obviously grew up in Okemos and uh, like I said, so his neighbors that were like my good friends, they're all, they're all older than me. They're all like my sister's age, you know, in an area. So they're all friends with them. Dan was like, would babysit me oh. uh, and like hang out with me or just like mess around. So he's got a lot of funny stories and of bad things I did when I was like five and six. And then when we he got to college, like I always hung around him. Just hilarious guy though. Funny guy. I've heard Jaron Jackson was really funny. That's like what I've been told from people, but I've never met Jaron. So. Yeah, it's it's one of those things where I was like old enough to like hang out with those guys. And I did hang out with them a little bit, but it was also like I tried to stay I didn't want to be like that coach's kid that was annoying. Yeah. So like because like Jaron, I'm like two months, two months age difference. So yeah. Or I think something along those lines. So I was like always those guys age. And I was like kind of like the teeter-totter of like, yeah, he's cool enough to hang out with college kids, but he's also still like in a senior or whatever. So. Right, right. Um, But yeah, Dan Chapman's probably like the funniest guy. All right. We'll call Dan and have him weigh some of his uh, <laughs> shit on us. All right. Last one. I always ask guys this. I, this is like my favorite pet question. So your MSU player bodyguard. For this one, I want you to do a current teammate. You're, you know... Steven Izzo, you're going out to the club if that's your thing. Let's pretend it is. <laughs> and you got some ruffians running around and they're causing you problems. Like, who, who do you want? AJ. AJ? Yeah, without a doubt. Like, I mean, I think any of those guys would protect me in any situation. But I know AJ's got my back just as much as I got AJ's back. I might not be able to fight anyone off, but I could, I could probably get at someone or get under someone's skin. But... um. AJ, I know, has got my back in whatever it is that could have ever happened. Are you aware that every one of your teammates has said AJ to that question? Uh, similar or like 50-50? Jaden, Malik, Tyson. But like, yeah. It's like a clean, everybody says AJ. AJ for sure. But he has a bad attitude and isn't <laughs> a good teammate though, which I don't understand that, right? That's what I, I was take, told on Twitter. I so. would take every guy on our team 10 out of 10 just because how we get along with each other. But I would take AJ a hundred out of ten. Like, like why? He's like the, he's not he's not like big. I like I said Sissoko. The first I was like, give me give me Madi. Like just, I want the size. He, he, but why is the point guard like? Why is a point guard dance? I think everyone trusts him, and that's what it comes down to is just trust. Like I just trust him, and I know he's got my back, and whatever it is. So I so choose AJ. Are you aware of like the? criticism that he received like throughout the year about like the body language stuff and yeah i'm aware of the criticism and um aj's one of those guys where obviously he came in when i was a sophomore so i'm and i kind of took like the upperclassman role a little bit um i'm in a weird spot with like being vocal and like kind of staying back because if i'm too vocal it's like all right this coach is kid but if i'm not vocal enough it's like all right like whatever i, I like you're not even engaged in the program yeah, yeah so um with aj i try to talk to him or like in situations i'm like hey dude like just for, forget about this like let's move on next play like 
that doesn't matter. I know you just fought with whoever or got mad at someone, but like, that doesn't matter. He's like, no, I'm good. I'm like, all right, if you're good, go prove it. Like, just go play. Like, I was like, we'll worry about this stuff in the locker room. And sure enough, by the time we get to the locker room, it, it's already gone. Like, no one cares about it. Um, but I just try to be like, I don't play devil's advocate because it's not a game. Like, I know that in the heat of a moment, people are going to say stuff that's dumb or say something that might trigger some bad emotion or maybe some good emotion, whatever it is. But just kind of keeping everyone level and kind of being a positive influence or kind of cheering guys on when they're in the worst slump or in a slump, then I can just be positive and help others. But I try to talk to AJ and AJ definitely talks to me like I was on vacation. He's texting me. He's like, how is it? You guys send me pictures and all that stuff. So he's always checking in on me. I'm always checking in on him, but he would be my bodyguard for sure. I, I mean, I can't argue when, what is that? Ben four for four. <laughs> he's, he's batting a thousand as everyone. It's not even like a hesitation. AJ just flies Who out. Did of AJ it. say? Um, who we did ask him, but I don't know it's on tape. We have to pull the tape. I, he did not pick himself, so technically four four out of five. I don't, <laughs> I don't think he picked it. I think he said Tyson, but okay. I know Tyson was sitting right next to him. Though, yeah. so they, may have, they have clouded the judgment a little bit, but uh, yeah, I don't know. He's he seems to be the universal answer, and I I gotta think, you know, you if you are aware of this stuff, and you know Malik was very aware of the anti AJ stuff. You know, if you know that things are so the opposite of the criticism i think that's worse like if there's meat on the bone even if you love the guy or you know but there's some valid criticism that maybe went too far or whatever that's hard enough but like bad teammate yeah, can't be trusted is like the exact kind of stuff and we're talking we're not talking the majority of the michigan state fan base we're talking about like that loud five percent but he was i mean probably the you know the top target of that vocal minority I just think like if you're in that position, like you are Malik, anyone on the team where, you know, it's the complete opposite. Like that would suck more. I feel like. Yeah. Um, it's definitely hard, but the good thing is like the NBA scouts, like they don't really care what the fan base says. It's all about like, you're calling a teammate, you're calling a coach and you get the honest answer. And, um, obviously it sucks. Like you don't want to have negative press, even if it's like, I mean, something like body language, like, yeah, there, there's been the Ohio State game, whatever. Um, something happened on the bench, and was it handled the best on either side? No, but, like, we moved on. It was all good. It wasn't the end of the world. Like, everyone treated it like it was the worst thing to ever happen. And by the time we got back to the hotel, it was, like, 10 minutes, and it was, like, good. But um, obviously everything's a learning curve and kind of taking the growth and maturity. But I also think that, Yes, we're we're blessed with great point. We've had great point guards at Michigan State, and everyone's kind of got a different thing. And AJ's got a chip on his shoulder, but he also plays with a chip on his shoulder, and he plays very well with a chip on his shoulder. So, um, if you know two minutes of a uh, poor facial expression or something is what bothers people, but he's having twenty and ten or ten and ten or being a good teammate, I don't. That doesn't really matter. So, and a lot of it is not even bad body language. It just like almost looks like bad body language. I I cited the example before when he was on the show with Tyson. There were a couple people in the comments at, at one point in particular that were like, which I I didn't see in real time, but I saw after, were saying, "Man, like he looks like he can't wait to get out of there. Like <laughs> he he just looks miserable." And I and he he kind of did like he you know in that not the whole hour, but in that like segment, he was kind of like. 
looking kind of like, get me the F out of here. But he stayed with Tyson like for an hour after, like at the bar here, not drinking, but just talking. Like yeah. we're talking about NIL and hanging out. And it's like, so he didn't, he wasn't dying to get out of here. Yeah. I don't think. I mean, he like, he could have just left after the show and he, he didn't. Like, so that's a, I mean, objective sort of misreading of the quote yeah. unquote body language. It's like he, he didn't want to And leave. one, one, one person says something, then everyone else runs with it. So, right. Yeah, I'm. A, I mean, admittedly, I'm a big like AJ defender. I was defending him all year. I just think this whole thing was was dumb. And man, that Kansas State game. There's a number of reasons why I was sad we lost, but like I felt like he lost something he deserved there in terms of redemption. And had they won, people would remember it more. That was one of the best games I've ever seen yeah. in the tournament from a Spartan. I and mean, that was unbelievable. I'm pretty sure the TV ratings would say the same thing. Yeah, well, and that he was, I mean, talk about trading haymakers, like he was our biggest puncher in that, yeah. in that 40 minutes. And I mean, anyone that had, and he was good in the game before, but the, the USC game, but his, his 40 minute run plus the five and OT, um, as good right up there as we've seen in a long time against like a real opponent. I'm, I mean, no offense to Adrian Payne's like 20 and 20 against, you know, like a 15 seed or whatever, whatever game that was. But like in terms of a real like competitor, unbelievable performance and you know i'm a big agent guy i was just happy for him so we'll get you out of here you got to drive about what an hour and 10 minutes it's kind of far man it sucks like i want i gotta get closer to east lansing but (laughs) i like my house but i want to like pick it up and move it but it was great having you man great to meet you finally so yeah you you come in and you're like yeah i uh i've met you before you yelled at me at a football game i'm like that that doesn't count so you were like two rows ahead of me that was i think you're thinking of the michigan game i was i was talking to hauser that whole game or talking to him, i was yelling at him but yeah so it's uh it was great to actually like you know shake your hand have you in the studio love yeah. to have you back at some point and you're welcome anytime and it's uh it's gonna be a fun year man i'm yeah. excited so uh steven Izzo, michigan state basketball player a, a guy that's been in this program and around it forever his whole life like so many of us have uh not quite the same context but really really pleasure to have him uh real pleasure to have him here and just uh, looking forward to what's going on with this program. I, I am as excited as I've been since going into the, what ended up being COVID year. So I don't think there's a pandemic that's going to wipe us out again. Knock on wood. I'm excited. Ben, I'm excited for you. Great job by you as always. Eric, love you too. Spiro Avenue show, Dustin Spiro. We'll see you next time. Thanks.